Amen. So we got a guest speaker. This is Bobby Connor and his wife Carolyn. Won't y'all stand up? Yeah. We're glad to get get Bobby here and, and the really uh you know, Bobby's a prophet. He's not just a prophetic guy, he's a real prophet as far as I'm concerned. And so I'm excited to hear what the Lord has got to say through him. So and Carolyn, if you want to say something, you certainly are welcome to. I don't think I've ever heard you speak before, but you know, but if you decide you want to, I'm sure your husband would love for you to. <laughs> You're probably actually a better preacher than he. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody tells me Becky's a better preacher than I. Well, every time she preaches, people tell me, you you better watch out. You're, you're going to lose your job. And, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm let her have the job. <laughs> It'd be easier. <laughs> Anyways, let's give Bobby a big hand and thank you for him coming. God bless you, and uh, at the end of the service, you don't leave. We're going to take up an offering for him, okay? But I'm waiting to the end because it's going to be so good, you're going to want to give extra. But just in case he completely flops and fails, it's still good, and you're st- we're still going to bless him. Amen? All righty. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Pastor just got in from China. I just got in this week from Israel, uh, Germany, and Switzerland. And so very, very busy times, but we're glad to be here. Here's the thing that really does thrill me. Did you know that God, Almighty God, knew that you'd be sitting in that chair before He created the whole world? That's what it says. It says in Psalms 139, verse 16 and 17, all of our days, every single one of them, are recorded in His book before we've ever lived a single one of them. Isn't that, isn't that wild? See, God's got good plans, hasn't He? See, what we need, I think, is a synchronization between what he wrote and what we walk. Jesus had it, didn't he? He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. So we need that harmony, that synchronization. Years ago, I pastored a church, and they had the a big baby grand piano, and we would get a piano tuner in every occasionally. And I, I liked the old gentleman. He was very uh, unique. And uh, I'd watch him sometimes work, and he'd work, ding, ding. But he had a tuning fork. Not a table fork, a tuning fork. And so the tuning fork, it, it had two little tongs on it. You go, it go ding, ding, and they would perfectly balance out. Here's what's happening, I think. I think heaven's going ding. The church is going donk. <laughs> Somehow we've got to get in tune with what heaven wants. You believe that? Yeah. Say yes. Yeah. I'll tell you what. How much higher are God's ways than ours? It says, as the heavens are higher above the earth, so high is the Lord's ways above our ways. Now, the Bible warns us there's a way that seems right, but the ends of that way is what? Death and confusion. Does uh, Abraham and Sarah know something about that? Remember, God promised him a child, and then they thought, hmm, that must not have been his plan. It must have been his plan for us to take Hagar, remember that, and have a child by Hagar. Uh, Are we still suffering some ramifications from that? Ishmaelites, yes we are. So here's what we got to do, guys. We got to wait on God. Let God instigate. <sighs> you believe the Bible, don't you? Isaiah 44, uh, it says He'll pour water upon him that is thirsty. I love that, don't you? He'll pour His Spirit upon our descendants. If you're hungry and you're desperate for God, your children will benefit. Don't you love that? Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Floods upon dry ground. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants and they'll spring up like willows by waterway. It's very important 
how we treat the children. I love the fact that you've got a place for them. You've got a, uh, a message for them in the, uh, in the genre they can respond to. You believe the kids are the whole, whole theme of this thing? It is. Remember Pharaoh? Say yes. I've never met him, but I've read about him. But remember, Moses would say to Pharaoh, let the people go. Remember that? Let God's people go. Finally, Pharaoh got all fed up. He said, okay, but leave me the children. See, everything Israel believed was gone in one generation. Children are the whole key to this thing. You believe that? So that's what we got to do. We got to really pour into the children. We got to pour into the children. We really, really have. Train them up in a way that they're to go. It's a sad thing in America. The most read book by children is what? Harry Potter. Oh, man. Did you read about witchcraft in the Bible? God said He don't even permit a witch to live. And now we're building theme parks honoring them. Something's up, isn't it? We need to take a stand. I thought, you know, I get to preach all. Can you believe this? Harry, we've been preaching 44 years and average speaking five times a week for 44 years. Calculate that. You'd have to take both shoes off to do that. I've average speaking five times a week for 44 years. This year it'll be 45. Now, listen, that's a lot of yakking. Here's what I figured out. After all that preaching, I figured out if you can figure it out, it ain't God. If you can go, yes, hallelujah, I understand that. No, you don't. You don't understand. A, you, under, you understand you don't understand. The natural mind receives not the things of the Spirit. It's foolishness to you. Neither can you know it. It must be spiritually discerned. The most simple thing of God is so profound, we can't grasp it. You know what the Lord told me the other day? He said the most profound thing you can do is maintain simplicity. There's the complexity of simplicity. You believe that? Jesus was one of the most complex persons, but yet so simple. Little children could come get in his lap. Remember what he said about little children? Adults were a little bit, a little ticked off. Send them away. What does Jesus say? Mm, except you become as one of them. You can't see or enter the kingdom. I suspect you and I may have to digress to advance. Quickest way to spot religion is this. They make hard and arduous what God made simple. Quickest way to spot religion. I've been studying the Bible quite a while. I figured this out. God don't like religion. He don't. Did you read that when he said, I pour the sizzling of your fat. He despises ritual devoid of relationship. Away with your new moons and your Sabbaths and your holy convocations. They weary me. That's what, Jesus, that's what the Bible says. Wow. Now he does love relationship. But he loathes and he despises ritual because man loves something to run, doesn't he? Something to manipulate, something to control. Do you remember uh, it says in Ezekiel 44, 23? Say it, Ezekiel 44, 23. Here's what it says. It says one of the jobs and the responsibility of a Zadok priest is to teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. Part of the job of a Zadok priest is to teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. So I thought, if that's one of our jobs, I need to study the word profane and find out what the heck it means. I got into the Bible, got into all these, these Hebrew word studies, and I found the word profane. The meaning of the Hebrew word profane means empty, worthless, no eternal value. Empty, worthless, no eternal value. 
Teach the people of God what is, em what is empty, worthless, and no eternal value, and then that has weight to it, preciousness to it. Did you know that Solomon said almost the same word when he said vanity, vanity, all is vanity? Vanity means attempting to catch the wind, ending up empty-handed. Remember that? So here, here's what happened. So I was studying that. Find out, teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, worthwhile and worthless. So I found the word profane, empty, worthless, no eternal value. Jesus appeared about where this podium is, and he said, do you know my definition of profane? Instantly I knew I didn't. You know who's going to school when Jesus asks a question, don't you? Do you know my definition of profane? I knew what the Hebrew book said, empty, worthless, no eternal value. Guess what Jesus said his definition of profane is? Do you want to know? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Here's what he said. Anything man is doing that God did not initiate is empty, worthless, no eternal value. No wonder he told us in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom and then all these other priorities fall right into the right slot i'll tell you about seeking god boy jesus appeared to me the other day pastor and here's what he said and he said it in an angry way he said you tell my people when it comes to seeking me i detest multitasking when it comes to seeking me i detest multitasking did you study the Bible? Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13 says, If you don't search for him and seek for him with all your heart, you will not find him. He won't commit himself if we're half-hearted. Here's what he told me. He said, Half-hearted obedience is nothing but cloaked rebellion. We have to obey him completely. I do have some advice for you. If I could give you any advice, it would be swift and complete obedience. One thing I found out about God, He's good at coercing. If you don't want to go His way, He can get you in a hammerlock. Remember Jonah? Cut an interval. Boom. Took off the other direction. But God's good at coercing. Pretty soon Jonah's going, Nineveh, that's the place to hang out. You believe God can change your mind? Oh, He's good at that. He's a good, good initiator and instigator. He really is. Every good thing you have is because he initiated it. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And he really is the one that was seeking us, not us seeking him. Remember Adam, 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 in the, in the Garden of Eden. God hadn't lost Adam. Adam had lost God. You understand that? Well, anyway, so we've got some stuff to talk about. One, I want to talk about the book table. Really, the Lord told me to write books. I know. I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter, so that you can understand that. That's the honest to God truth. I went to London and had to have an interpreter. I'll tell you what I speak. I speak Texican. I'll tell you what's going to shock you, though. When you hear God speak, He speaks just like me. No, I'll tell you how He speaks. I'll tell you how He speaks. He speaks exactly like you listen. Where's that at in the Bible? John 10, 3. My sheep! Hear my voice, and they follow me. John 10, 27 says, they'll run from another voice, but they'll draw near to the voice of God. People go, well, how do you intensify hearing? What will amplify hearing the voice of God? Intimacy. Nothing will clear out the static like intimacy. We've got to get our ear near his lip. Here's what he told me. He said, you tell my people, I shout my truths, however I whisper my secrets. You believe that? Sure he does. 
The book's full of truths. Everybody can get them, but few of us will get his secrets. It's, it shakes people up to realize God has secrets. Proverbs 25.2, say it, Proverbs 25.2. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, the honor of kings to search it out. Real diamonds, real treasures have to be sought for. And here's, here's a good verse about the secrets of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says this. It says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants from now on. I want to know the hidden things of God, don't you? Oh, this is, see, they can put it up there. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Boy, if, if I could warn you and encourage you, study the Bible. It's the only book that guarantees you, guarantees your overwhelming success. Here it is, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, the words of this law shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and it will guarantee you overwhelming success. We send our kids off to college, pay a ton of money when we should be teaching them the Word of God. Word of God will guarantee them. over. There it is. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all according to it is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have overwhelming success. Goodness, well, you know, I don't have time to study. Cut something out. Stop stop some stuff. Get up earlier. Did you read about Jesus? Early before day, he would make his way to the prayer garden. Spend all night communing to the Father. Anyway, I don't want to put a guilt trip on you unless you need it. He told me the other day, he said, my he, he told me, he said, my people don't like to talk to me. Least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. Least, least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. Lord said, my people don't like to talk to me, but I'm going to give you a phrase that will change their whole concept of prayer. I said, I want it. I want a phrase that will change prayer from a duty to delight. From a drudgery to desire. Here, here's what real prayer is. You ready? I'll tell these guys. Here's what real prayer is. You ready? An audience with the king. That's what real prayer is. An audience with the king. That's an invitation none of us can afford to turn down. Can you imagine that, that God would invite us to come? There's verses in the Bible. If they wasn't in the Bible, you'd never make me believe them. Zechariah 3, 7 is one. Obey God, love God, serve God, tend to the things of God, and He will give you open access to His presence. Unfettered access to His presence. Ezekiel. Isn't that amazing? The book of Hebrews said, when come boldly to His throne. Not boldly. Through the finished work of Calvary. But I want us to understand the King of glory will listen when we come to Him. It says, the righteous cry and the Lord hears them. Yes, true. Well, after a while, we're going to be signing books. I used to never sign books. The Lord Jesus appeared to me and said, I want you to sign books. I said, I don't sign books. He said, you do now. So I told my wife, I said, hey, we're having a book signing. She said, I didn't know we signed books. I said to her, we do now. Here's what happened at the first book signing I ever had in my life. 
I'm back there. I knew my name, so I signed it, Bobby. The lady in front of me, her name was Donna, so she had bought a book. And I said, what's your name? She said, Donna. I said, is it D-O-N-N-A? And she said, that's correct, D-O-N-N-A. When the pen made the last stroke for A, a Bible passage just drifted across my spirit just like that. So I thought, I'll write that passage. So I wrote down that passage. When I finished the stroke of that passage, she falls on the floor. She starts gasping, crying. She said, that's it, that's it, that's the verse my mother used all these years to train me. That's happened hundreds of times. A guy stone deaf for 40 years got, got healed at the book table. Stone deaf for 40 years and got healed. One guy, God grew him a finger, cut his finger off with a saw, and at, I was joking. I didn't go, shakalalabahata. No. I said, what happened to you? He said, well, I'm a carpenter, but apparently not a very good one to cut my finger off with a saw. So I said to him, hey, God's got original parts. That's what I said. And God grew my finger. You believe God's got original parts? Yeah, He does. See, God can do anything, can't He? Genesis 18, 14. What in the world does that say? Oh, I know what it says. Genesis 18, 14 says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? What's the answer to that? Luke 1, 37. See, every, I love the Bible. It never raises a question without releasing an answer. Psychology and all of that raises a lot of questions, very few solid answers. Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Luke 1, 37 says, with men things are impossible, but with God. There it is. For with God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing. You believe he, do you believe Jesus did miracles? If he did them then, he'll do them now. Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8, he's what? Same. Yesterday, our day, and forever. He did miracles then. He still does them now. How did he do miracles? He did miracles by the power of the Holy Ghost. Every miracle Jesus did in the New Testament, he did not as the Son of God, but as a man anointed of the Spirit of God. He did get anointed, didn't he? Acts 10, 38. What do you remember, remember that? God did something. Oh, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Hey, this is a new day for you. I like this girl right here. This is a new day for you. You get Lamentation 3, 20 and 21. That's what she gets. You can take it too if you want to because all Scripture is given by, you know. Yeah, it's a dawning of a new day for you. So that's what, he's, that's what he says. God's mercies are new what? Every morning great is His faithfulness. So that's what she gets. Yes, yeah, true. I'll take it myself. I like River of Life Fellowship, don't you all? Byron, how long have we known one another? Good Lord, a long time. Good gracious. We used to go over there in the garage out there, that cabin. Rick used to have meetings in a garage out there. Good God, Holy Ghost fall. People would come from all over the place. See, God don't matter whether you're in a sanctuary or a garage. Just so you love Him, long for His presence. Isn't He something? Pontius Pilate had it right when he said, I find no fault in him. I mean, if that can come from a crooked politician, what about us? We need to start bragging on Jesus better. You think so? In Psalms, Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord. And that word bless is where we get our word eulogize. What does the word eulogize mean? Speak well of. Speak well of God. Start bragging on God. Oh, I like it a while ago when y'all was talking about offering the sacrifice of praise. Why is it called a sacrifice of praise? When you need to do it the most is you feel like it the least. 
I mean, the bottoms fell out. Everything's just going to... You don't want to praise God. No, but that's when you need to. Remember what Job said? Even though he slayed me, I will... Yeah. Jesus came to me once. He said, suppose you've missed the whole message of the book of Job. Instantly, I knew I had. (laughs) Suppose you've missed the whole message of the book of Job. Job lived 210 years, and we spend preaching about nine months of his life. The book of Job is not about bitter betrayal and unfaithful friends. The book of Job is all about the faithfulness of God. He started out the biggest and the best and ended up way better than that. It's talking about the restoring, the restoring power of God. Don't you love Joel 2.25? Joel 2.25 is a shout. It says, I will restore. I want to hear my Morgan Freeman voice. That's my Morgan Freeman voice. That's it. Joel 2.25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts and the consuming locusts and the chewing locusts. My great, he said, I'm going to restore back. Book of Acts says the heavens must contain Christ until the restoration of what? All things spoken by the mouths of the prophets. That's true. Good to see you. God's got good plans for you. I'm serious about that. Here's what he said. Stay on track with God. The blessings of God will run you down. Here's you a good verse. Hey, by, by the way, I got to give you the name of my message today. is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. For two decades now, the devil's been doing everything he can to chisel away at your confidence. He wants to pickpocket your hope. He'll take it from you and you won't even know it's gone. My God. Where'd my confidence go? Devil stole it while you were busy watching a cloud of doubt. I'll tell you about doubt. Doubt is deadly. Doubt! Doubt is a wound that gives birth to unbelief. We better run from doubt. Doubt is a cloud that comes and settles over you. And it'll it'll start with accusations towards God. I don't, think that, I don't think you can see the full flower of doubt any clearer than Matthew 11, 1 and 2. Matthew 11 says that Jesus is dispersing His disciples, telling them to go here, do that, do that. Da, da, da. And verse 2 says, Now John was kept in prison. This is the same John that said, Look, observe the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist. Well, look now. Wow. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Look at next verse. What what does John want to know? And he said to him, Go ask Jesus. Are you really the one? Or should we look for someone else? Wow. Most fiery message in the New Testament. And now he's in a prison. A dark cloud of doubt comes over him. Now it is extracted from him his boldness. It is pulled away from him his steadfast confidence in God. And he says to his disciples, please go look. Ask Jesus these questions. Are you really him? Or should we focus our attention somewhere else? What does Jesus say to John? Jesus says to the disciples of John, You go back. You show John. The blind see, deaf hear, dumb speak. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached. What's the antidote for doubt? Miracles. 
That's what we need. We need miracles. Miracles are the antidote for doubt. You go tell John. See? Now the devil fights miracles. You know why? He says multitudes, that means a big crowd, believed on Jesus when they saw the miracles he did. There's churches that teach against miracles. That's those that don't have them. I think if you don't have miracles, you disqualify yourself from being a New Testament church. Did the early church have miracles? Yes, they did. This is nice up here. The early church had miracles. Mark 16.20. Mark 16.20 said they, the early church, went and proclaimed, and God verified, vindicated the message with what? Signs following. I like signs and wonders. God does a sign. You and I do the wonder and go, what the heck was that? Yeah. You ever seen that happen? Some of the meetings, gold falls, feathers fall. I don't care. One, one, one place I started glowing like Matthew 17. I got pictures of it. I look better glowing than in person. Then I was preaching this and fire started shooting out of me. Just like the Bible. I like that, don't you? We ought to have a replica of what's going on in the Bible. It says Jesus Christ is saying, well, there's some things we want to talk about. Don't you want to talk? Tell them about the train of hope. I wrote myself a note to do. Let's see if I can find my note. She, let's see. I don't know. I stuck a little funny note in here somewhere. That's right. I don't know where it's at, but I wrote one, honest to God. And here it is. I got. I borrowed the paper out of your office there. Here's what it says. Let me get. My... Look what it says. Hold on to hope. The train of hope. Here's the train of hope. I got into a trance. In the trance, I'm in a desert on a railroad track. I mean a blistering hot desert, and I'm on a railroad track. And I'm walking. The Lord said, don't veer off to the right. Don't veer off to the left. Stay on track. Boy, I'd come, I'd come by what I called hellish hallucinations. I, I would see what looked like uh, oasis. I'd see people with drinks and, and hear people sliding into the pool. And they go, Bobby, come on. You don't have to stay out there. Come on over here. The Lord said, don't, don't, don't fall for that hellish hallucination. Keep on track. Keep on track. Hot, arduous, difficult. Blistering sand. Heat waves everywhere. So I looked away as far as I could see. As far as I could see down there, I saw a little bitty blue dot, just a blue dot of light in the middle of the train track. And I said, Lord, what is that? When I said, what is that? Here comes this vibration. And it's a train coming, train bigger than you could imagine. Vibrated the heavens and the earth. It's a train of hope. If you and I will stay on track, the train of hope is coming. And I'll tell you what the train of hope is going to do. It's going to bring back our promises. Bring back our vision. Bring back our dreams. devil's been doing everything he can to eradicate your dreams. Here's your verse. Hebrews 10.35. Say it. Hebrews 10.35. It says, don't fling away your confidence. Hold on to your confidence because your confidence has great recompense reward. Therefore, do not cast away from you your confidence which has great recompense reward. Hold on to hope. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, Bobby... This sound is almost muted on earth, but it's very amplified in heaven. I said, God, I don't understand what sound. What sound is almost muted on earth, but amplified in heaven? 
He said the sound of the breaking of a heart and shattering of dreams. He said on earth it's almost muted, but in heaven it's loud. See, somebody sitting next to you can have a broken heart and a shattered dream, and you not even recognize it. But God does, doesn't he? We've got to learn how to hang on to hope. He says, there is hope for a tree, though it be cut down and its stump is rottening in the ground at the scent of moisture, it'll sprout and bud. That's a great promise, isn't it? It says, hope deferred does what? Oh, it makes the heart sick, but when it comes, what you've longed for, what you've dreamed for, what you've held on for, it's a wellspring of life. Don't give up on your hope. Oh, hopelessness is a terrible word, isn't it? But God is going to restore hope. You believe it? He is. I saw a mantle come through a building the other day, and I said, Lord, what mantle is that? And he said, it's a mantle that was on Caleb. Remember Caleb? He said, I'm still well able. That's what we need. We need that kind of, to, that kind of tenacity. I'm still well able, and he was. He got his mountain and the mountains beside it. Remember that? After 40 years of delay, he could have been bitter and vindictive and said, I should have and I could have. But now, I got news for you. It's never too late. Number one of the number one questions I get around the earth is, uh, do you know what God's doing? Yeah, I do. I'll tell you what he's doing now. He's tearing down everything we built that's not him. And we're kicking and screaming. That's true. That's what he's busy doing. Tearing down everything we built that's not him. That's what he said. Remember he came to a fig tree looking for what? Fruit, but he found foliage. See, that's where the church has been. Busy polishing our leaves. Not caring about fruit. But how do we appear before people? And what happens? He cursed the fig tree. Swiveled. See, God is busy dismantling what we've been mantling. Somewhere it says the foxes have holes, the birds of air have nests, but that means Jesus homeless under a bridge down here? No. It means he won't put his authority in the house we built. His head talks about his authority. Foxes have holes. But I want him to build a house where he can lay his head, don't you? Remember it says, have you read the Bible? Malachi, it says, the Lord, I'm screaming, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. He'll come like a fuller soap and refinery. But I was studying Malachi. If you're studying Malachi, they're not seeking God. But then he says, the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. Now let me tell you what, that's not a mud hut in Israel. That's you and me. Paul said, what, don't you understand? You are the temple of God. See, Paul picked up a pen and wrote, what happened to Israel happened for us, for our learning, for our education, for our enlightenment, in whom the ends of the world have come. So study about Israel, but when you're studying about them, realize he's talking to us. You believe it? That's really true. Well, glad, glad you're here. I don't know how long this goes. We just go till we get... See, people go, you know what they accuse me of? They accuse me of not even using the Bible. That Connor, don't even use the Bible. It didn't offend me. I knew they were lying. But it offended my friend Paul Keith Davis. So Paul Keith had interns then. So here's what he said. He said, I want you to find every message you can find Bobby's preach, whether it's on cassette, DVD, CD, printed, whatever. I want you to find every message you can find as far back as you can get. And I want you to analyze them and categorize every time he uses a verse. They did it. Guess what happened? They estimated that we use 72 verses per message. 
Now, now, listen, I'm not going to say, ladies and gentlemen, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy 32.13. That's, that's the verse I was going to give you a while ago when I said things are looking up for you. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32.13. Here's what it says. It, God caused him to siphon honey from a rock. Some of the hardest situations are going to give you the greatest nectar of God. Deuteronomy 32, 13. And he made him ride on the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him to siphon, draw honey from the rock. You believe sometimes the hardest situations can give you the greatest injection of the presence of God? That's true. I like that verse, don't you? Hey, do you like to find verses nobody ever preaches out of? I do. I like to find obscure passages nobody ever preaches out of. Here's one. You ready? You've poured me out like milk, but you've curdled me like cheese. Hey, you're not going to run out there and find a whole series on that. I don't care whose bookstore you're in. You've poured me out like milk, but you've curdled me like cheese. That's a book. That's a verse in the Bible. What in the heck does it mean? It means you went from a splatter to matter, from a liquid to a solid. The rest of that verse says, and you put skin and bones on me. You got a body for a purpose. Just the same purpose Jesus got about. That's Job 10.10 10 for those of you that need it. Ding! Job 10.10. 10. I, like, I like this when it comes through two gates. Eye gate and ear gate. You, did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? See, when I tell you they're there, they're there. Here's you another one. Here's you another one. Nobody ever preaches out of it. We ought to. It says... If the axe is dull, you have to swing harder. If the axe is dull, you have to put out more effort. See, Sunday after Sunday, instead of coming to the pulpit with a sharp axe, preachers are just swinging harder. If the axe is dull, you have to swing harder. Where in the world is that? Oh, Ecclesiastes 10.10. Pop that one up there. You'll see it. These guys are good, you know, finding all that. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom will bring success. That's right. Need to sharpen the axe. How do you sharpen it? Word of God is one of the ways. That's true. You doing well? Me too. Doing good. Well, good. Can you believe that God knew you'd be sitting in that chair? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Isn't that something? You ought to do something with fashion. Did you know that? I'm serious. You're always doodling around. You could and should. Is that true? It's true. Well, aren't you glad for the change that's taking place in your life? That's true. I'll tell you what. Jesus Christ is going to become your best friend. And He's going to heal all those other friendships. You get, you get John 15, 15. You quoted it while, we was up, while you were up there. We're not servants, but we're friends. John fifteen fifteen. So what did you do in China? I prayed for people and preached and underground church. Isn't that wonderful? I'll tell you what I did. When we went to Israel, Paul, Keith, and I, we were in, invited to a meeting with David Damien, and he brought the five fathers out of China. The five fathers are the, fa- are the leaders of the underground church. They brought them there, and they've got what some say 160 million, some say 300 million under them. But we got to pray for these five fathers. Oh, wow, boy, good Lord. 
Thank God for what's happening in China. What's happening in China, the Christian part, is the only thing that's kept China from invading us. Yes. Hey, talking about that, for, for 19 years, say it, 19 years. For 19 years on the Day of Atonement, we have a visitation from Jesus Christ. I write in a book called The Shepherd John. Bob Jones has done it. He did it for years and years. He's the reason I did it. Years ago, 19 years ago, Bob came to me. He goes, bless his heart. Bob came to me. He goes, yeah, God wants you to do the shepherd's rod. That's what he said to me. And I said to him, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. Oh, man. No, no reason for it. I, was, I didn't get a chance to tell him why I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to polyparrot what somebody's doing. I didn't want to echo what somebody else was doing. So I said, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. Woo, that was the end of conversation. He goes, well, he wants you to. And he waddled off like that. <laughs> Honest to God, 19 years ago. So I'm standing there thinking, good Lord, I didn't handle it very well. Jesus appears. He said, I want you to do the shepherd's rod. And I said, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that because I don't get revelation like that. When I said to Jesus, I don't get revelation like that, I was jerked up off of earth. I was carried to some big round sphere, some big round dome of a thing, and there were thousands, multiplied thousands of screens like this one above me, beneath me, beside me, everywhere, thousands of them. And they were playing different sequels, but I'd put my eye on one, and then I'd know everything about it, every minute detail about it. I'm thrown back to earth. Jesus almost laughed at him and said, See, no problem for me to give you revelation. So then we started writing the shepherd's rod. This one is 240-something pages. This is one for 2014. Boy, I tell you what, we talk about the judgment our nation's under. We, we, even, we take a prophetic uh, position here of binding demonic words that came from the mouth of our president. People ask me, you think we're under judgment? There's no doubt about it. You think we murder over 50 million babies? and not be under judgment? You think we can applaud what God condemns and not be under judgment? But the judgment we're under, Isaiah 5.20. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe, W-O-E, God's pronounced judgment. Woe unto the nation that finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. That's where we are, did it? But I got news for you. We got a God that's going to turn things around when the people of God approach Him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Remember Isaiah? Remember what it says? Oh, listen, if we'll cry out, he'll hear us. You believe God sometimes will start a storm to get us in a place of desperation so we'll cry out? I said that statement once a theologian shot his hand up. I like when the theologians come. One of them said to me, Give me one good reason why God would put gold teeth in somebody's mouth. I said, Oh, that's easy to aggravate somebody like you. Then I quoted what I'd heard. God will offend our mind to reveal our heart. Do you believe that? But anyway, listen, guys. Yeah. Come in. Okay. Uh, I, knew that, I knew when Bob went to heaven that he, was, uh, he would have an a inroad back, you know, somehow. So anyway, uh, anyway, March the 20th, I think it was 28th, 29th, I was, went to bed. And I went into a vivid dream, more vivid than me standing here right now. And in, in the dream, uh, uh, I'm at my desk in Moravian Falls typing on a book. And the Holy Spirit says to me, 
I'm typing. Holy Spirit says, you have a visitor. So I, I, I assumed at the door. So I get up and I go to my office door. I'm going to open my door. And, uh, he said, no, he's coming through your window. So I looked. Now, this is a trance. I looked. And uh, sure enough, uh, here comes Bob Jones gliding down some escalators out of heaven, gliding on some moving pearl-colored uh, what appeared to be like escalators. Oh, he's gliding. I, I'm thinking, well, I need to open the window for him, or how's this going to happen? Whoosh, right through the window. First thing he said to me, he looked absolutely wonderful. Skin was without one blemish or anything, and taunt, and he's much stronger, much more virile, younger than he was. Wonderful, wonderful sparkles in his eyes and here's what he said he said you're doing fine and he packed himself on the chest like that and he said and i'm doing wonderful <laughs> that's what he said uh, oh yeah he had on a a, a wonderful uh, shiny white uh uh, kind of a robe thing down past his knees like this. Wonderful. Looked absolutely wonderful. But so we're talking, but we could talk and not even talk. But we could talk and talk. So anyway, we're talking. And he said to me, have you noticed your hair? I said, no, not really. And he said, run your head through. So I ran my hand through my hair, and it felt absolutely normal. Then he said, look in your hands. And I looked at my hands, and Byron, they were hundreds, maybe thousands of straws. Uh, uh, looks like but longer than a pencil, smaller around than a pencil, almost like an arrow chef, but not that big. And so he said, do it again. I did it. And every time I do it, they'd multiply, they'd multiply. Pretty soon my hands were full, his hands were full, like this with these straws. And then all of a sudden they turned into wheat, shelves of wheat, you know. And then Bob said to me, you know, it's all about the harvest. That's what he said. And then he said, the prophets are going to be very uh, essential in this coming move of God. He said, the prophets are going to spearhead this coming move of evangelism, and they're going to talk to the evangelist and show the evangelist which field to get into, which field is ripe and ready. And so, isn't that something? So, well, it really is true. So, uh, when Bob passed, there was a clicking of the clock. You know, because God had promised him he would be alive to see the initiating, the beginning of a, 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 a move that would bring in a billion souls. Well, that clock is clicked. We're in that movement right now. And uh, it, it's going around the world. Some of the places that's most unlikely are experiencing ravishing revivals right now. Isn't that wonderful? I want to see it here in America, don't you? I'll tell you what, uh, don't, don't, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your hope. God's about to turn things around. You believe that? He told me, he said, it's in the back of the shepherd's rod. He said, you tell my people, prepare to be surprised. Here's what's going to happen in 2014. You want to know? 2014, if this is what the whole thing's about. This is the year everything changes. 2014, this is the year we know more about the presence of God than we've known in our whole life. See, we've been urgently seeking His power, hard after His power. I'll tell you what, He's going to give us His presence. And in His presence, there's something far greater than His power. What in the world could be far greater than His power? His authority. It's Luke ten nineteen. Luke ten nineteen. Jesus talking. He said, "Behold, observe, take notice of this. I give you authority to negate the devil's ability." He uses two totally different words. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the devil. What what ability does the devil have? John ten ten. The thief comes but for to what? But God has given you power of Matthew 18, 18 to bind. You believe it? We need His authority. You believe it? That's what He's going to do. He's going to get us into His presence and then He's going to anoint us with this, this mantle 
of authority. That's, that's what we've been needing. He wanted to do it a long time ago, but he couldn't do it till we reached a point of maturity. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7. I wanted to. I could not, would not release this hidden wisdom until I found me a group of people mature enough to be ripe in understanding. That's what it says. Then he reveals to us a hidden wisdom that brings us up into his glory. You'll find it. There we go. But we speak the wisdom for God. You ought to read that in Amplified. Y'all, do you have Amplified? She goes, good Lord, I don't know. Do you got it? If you can, we'll pop that up there. You, that's the New King James. Now, I memorized the Bible in Old King James. That's not the best thing to do. I got the, well, I got four grandchildren. Well, I got five. got one in the hanger, about the size of my thumb. But we got, we got a, one that's 20, one that's 19, one that's seven, a little girl that's four. But then, then the little baby. In the, but anyway, I memorized the, the Bible out of the King James. And the Lord said, will not you teach your grandsons the Bible? So I said, okay. What verse do you want me to teach them? He said, do Psalms 119 verses 9 through 11. Here's what it says in the King James. You ready? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought after thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Now let's get serious. You think two little rednecks are going to memorize that? <laughs> no, they're not going to memorize that. So here's what I told them. I can call them right now. That's Psalms 119, 9 through 11. Here's it. I can go, hey, how can a young man live a clean life? They'll both echo by obeying the Bible. See, it's the same, same message, but in a genre they can get. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You're the, well, anyway, well, so, book table. So I, I want you to get the book. I'm, I'm going to finish this book story. Then the Lord told me, he said, I want you to write a book about heaven's hosts, the faithful and the fallen. I was stunned how little there is in the Christian world concerning angels. They're mentioned 273 times in the Bible. I am telling you, if ever God's releasing angels, it's right now. Revelations 12, 12 said the devil's come down. He's fighting mad because he realizes he's got a short window to work in. So he's releasing all of those demons, but God is releasing angels. Psalms 104, verse 4 said they're ministering spirits sent down to aid us who are the heirs of salvation. I tell you, we need all of heaven's help we can get. So in this book, we talk about angels. We talk about how we've met with them. First time I ever went to Moravian Falls, 14 to 18 angels met me. First thing they said out of their mouth is, what took you so long? That's what they said. And I go, well, I don't know. But, uh, that's really true. So you need to get the book on angels. Heaven's host, faithful and fallen. You believe there's more faithful than fallen? You believe you can see them? I'm going to pray a prayer for you before this thing's over. I'm going to pray Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. You'll have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. I pray 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17. Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he saw the heaven's host. Remember that? If it happened to him, it can happen to you. So angels, they're really real. In this book, I tell their names. Ooh, tell what the, their uh, commission is. We need to know more about angels, don't we? Say yes. yes. So there's the Shepherd's Rod book, The Authority of God. Here's the Heaven's Host angel book. Then here's it, he said, I want you to empower my people. Here's what he said. I'll give you a core mission for the rest of your life. Raise me. <laughs> Raise me. A generation of overcomers that transcend gender and age. So God wants you to become an overcomer. 
What's the benefit of becoming an overcomer? Oh, it says you get to sit with him as he's overcome and is sit down at the right hand of his father. I mean, that's pretty apostolic, isn't it? Getting to sit with Jesus on his throne. That's one of the benefits of becoming an overcomer. First benefit is you ain't going to hell. Second death has no sting to you. Revelations 2.17, it says this. It says, to him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. I'm already intrigued, hidden manna. Anyway, angel books. Then here's one, legacy and lineage line. God said, write a book that tells my people how to use the blessings of God upon their life and pass it to the coming generation. Here's what it says. It said, the seed of the upright will be mighty on the earth. It says, every seed you've pushed out will be mighty on the earth. Here's what it says. It says the blessings of God will get on you in such a dimension. Your enemies will see it. They'll be so overwhelmed by the blessings of the favor of God. They'll gnash their teeth and they'll just march away. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. So we need to talk about breaking ancestral curses and amplifying the blessings of God. If God's anything, he's a generational God. Over and over he's identified as a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'm telling you, you need to get the book. I've been picking on this sister. I'll give it to you. God bless your heart. All right. Well, anyway, so we'll have book signing. That'll be fun, won't it? Anything going on that you want to talk about? Earnestly contending for the faith. Uh, my wife had a dream about her father's best friend, a guy named Ernest. And so she'd had this long dream about Ernest and she said, God, what does that mean? And God said, you better tell my people to earnestly contend for the faith. I'll tell you where we are. We're right smack dab in the book of Jude. You ought to read it. It shouldn't take long, just one page. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah. And that's where we are. Did you read the book of Jude? I didn't, if, I'd have, if I was Jude, I'd never started Jude like Jude started Jude. I'd have started Jude. If I was Jude, I'd go, hey, you better listen to me. I'm connected. How connected was Jude? Oh, he came out of the same womb as Jesus. Jude and Jesus had the same mama. You can't get more connected than that. I'd have pulled that card, wouldn't you? That's not how Jude did. Jude said, a common bond slave of this man Jesus. He said, I picked up my pen to write to you concerning the common salvation. Not common in cheap or second rate. Common in Hebrews 6.1. The elementary, rudimentary principles of Christianity. He said, that's what I was going to lay out for you. But if you read in the Greek, he said, I got possessed. I was under compulsion. I was overcome. I found it needful to write unto you that you would earnestly contend for the faith. Why? Certain men have crept in unawares. Teaching, it doesn't matter how you live. We're there now, aren't we? There's a crazy message out there on grace. Don't have nothing to do with it. These people that say, oh, the grace of God is on us. No more judgment. You better read the Bible. It starts with us. You better read it. These things, have you, read, have you seen some of that crazy message on grace? Have nothing to do with it. Here's the grace I want. Titus 2.11. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's there. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Next one. 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. What next one? Just one. Oh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify him to himself, a special people, zealous, burning hot with good works. In the next verse, that everyone has hope. Yes, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with what? All authority and let no man despise you. See, we need that kind of grace that prevent, brings, number one, salvation. Number two, sanctification. Number three, expectation. Anyway, this is a nice place. I ought to come here more often. It's easy to preach here. It's just down the road from the house. Oh, I got on one plane, I don't know, 29 hours or something like that. Yeah. I'm big to get on a plane. You know what I mean. And they got those seats now. Listen. Little midget, you know, little bitty things. Listen. I, I want this transporting, you know. It's been happening a little, but not much. I, I want where you go, Singapore, boom. It's going to happen. It happened with Philip. It happened to Philip. God said he's no respecter of persons. It can happen to Bob. It's happened a little bit with this, hasn't it? Been in two places at once. Now that'll blow your mind. But it's true. Anyway. But anyway. Oh, my. See? You don't need notes. Just bring your wife. <laughs> I used to do television. They have a, a, a teleprompter there. <laughs> you don't need one. Just... You know, here, here, here's what Carolyn said. Tell him about Badlands. This one liked to kill me. This, this, in, this encounter almost killed me. So here's what happened. I was caught up into heaven. And boy, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm up in heaven looking back at the earth. I can see the earth about this big around. And I'm, I'm with God in heaven. And boy, it's blissful and wonderful and marvelous. And it's just wonderful. And the Lord said, see so I'm looking. I can see the earth. But then whew, I saw second heaven where the devil plants his stuff. I saw the devil, Satan himself, summons a principality. And the Lord said, watch this. So Satan summons the principality. The principality brought a box about the size of a lunch kit. Only you couldn't see it at first. It was rolling with black smoke around it. But all hell, every demon, every, every created demon, every horrible. They were so excited when this, this thing happened, when the devil summons this principality with this box. You could hear him, and all the dark sides were just vibrating. And so the smoke drifts away from the box, and they opened it, and there's a, a, what I would call a key. Not like a key we see, but a key of some sort. And the devil gives it to a principality and said, go unlock the hordes. That means those demons that are shut up until the end time. Go unlock them and release them on the earth. Remember it's Genesis 6, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the days of the coming. When there's these horrible be he said, go release them. So this principality starts flying off through the universe. And the Lord said, go stop him to me. That's what he said, go stop him. So I thought, okay. Whoosh. And honest to God, in this trance thing, I could fly and follow this, this like a heat-seeking missile. And so it, go, it goes everywhere. And it goes to what looked like, what looked like to me the badlands of America, you know, uh, out there where there's desert and there's cliffs and there's caves and all this. And this being flew into a cave. 
So I fly in the cave with him. And this has happened before, but this is going to be much different. So he flew, and you could hear, boy, it's so dark, you, you couldn't imagine how dark it was in this cave. But this, all the beings in there were so excited. This is their emancipation to do their evil working in the dark last days. And so anyway, this, this principality is going to give this thing to a gatekeeper. So I'm standing there about from here to this pulpit from him. And see, I've done, this, I've done this before, but all the other times I was invisible. I could do anything. They could never detect me. So I supposed I would be invisible this time. The Lord said, I said, stop him. So he's handing this key over to shovel. Wham! And hit him right here on the eye. And the key goes up in the air like this, like this, and hits the ground and rolls into a crack. But I wasn't invisible. Oh, they wheeled at me and they, they had claws and they'd, they'd rip into me trying to pull my heart out, trying to pull. Oh, it was horrible. So deadly dark you couldn't imagine. The only way I could get them off of me, I'd say, Jesus, have mercy. And they'd have to turn me loose. Then Brian, Byron and I would pray in prayer. Tongues, and a little ball of light would go, and it would make a little, little round thing, and I could step in the light. And they'd attack me again. And I'd, Jesus, have mercy. And pray in tongues. And that's the only way I got out of there. You, this, you, you were in the bed, wasn't you? You were saying in a groaning, you know, about... Jesus is the Son of God. And just, just wow. like Ooh, I'll tell you, it was hard. And here's what the Lord said. He said, tell the body of Christ you've bought them a little time. Yeah. You believe we're in the consummation of the age? We're in the time of the end, the end of time? I mean, if we're going to do anything for the kingdom, it better be now. The night comes when nobody's going to work again. Today, hey, here's your great verse. If he, uh, I'll get it out. Second Corinthians six two. Second Corinthians six two says, "For he says, in the time of favor, I've heard you." Isn't that good? For he says, "In an acceptable time, I've heard you. In the day of salvation, I've helped you." Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. That is Paul actually quoting Isaiah forty nine verse eight. Do you study sometimes? Anytime you find the New Testament where it says, "For he says," he's quoting somebody in the Old Testament. So, boy, I like that. Here's one, Ephesians 5. For he says, awake, sleeper. He's quoting what? Isaiah 26. But th there's Isaiah 49, verse 8. Thus said the Lord in acceptable time, I have heard you and in the day of salvation. I have helped you and I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritage. Win the world back to Jesus is what it's saying. Don't you want to do it? I know you do. This has been a long time. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, you can't believe the miracles that's been happening. One of the miracles that's been happening is crippled people getting healed and bones being, bones being fixed, screws, plates falling out. Hey! Yeah! I was off in Rochester, somewhere up there, and uh, some little 16-year-old kid, bless her heart, I walked by and she had a purple and kind of Hello Kitty cast on. Hello Kitty. So you can't be a good grandfather and not know Hello Kitty. Not if you got a granddaughter. Hello, Kitty. Have you seen it? You got, yeah, anyway. But anyway, this little gal had a purple and pink Hello, Kitty cast. So I walked by and I said, what happened, honey? She said, I was playing uh, soccer, and I, I tripped, and I tried to catch myself when I failed, and it broke, broke my bone, stuck a bone through my arm. I said, but the doctors have uh, pulled it together and put pins in it. They say it'll be a long time before it's healed, but it's going to be okay. So I thumped her on the cast. Just like that. I said, I said in Fairfield, Texas once, saw God heal a football player. If God healed a football player in uh, Fairfield, Texas, he can heal you. 
didn't pray for her, just thumped her on the cast like that. So guess what happened? She goes home and told, tells her daddy, Daddy, I'm healed! He goes, no, you're, you're not healed. The doctor said it's going to take quite a bit of time. Da, 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 da. She said, no, no. said, he thumped me on the cast, and he said, God heal a, a football player, and if God heal a football player, he can heal me. And said, Daddy, I'm healed. And she threw such a fit, the daddy carries her back to the doctor. The doctor takes the cast off, looks at everything. No screws, no pins, no bones. Her arm's healed. Same thing happened to that football player. Remember that? See? And then we were just, where was I at? Good Lord. Oh, I was in Germany this week. Here comes a guy in. Broke leg. I said, what happened to you? He said, broke my leg, got pins, screws. I go, well, you know, God healed a little girl in Rochester and he, uh, uh, and he healed the guy over there in Fairfield. I said, he can heal you. Guess what? The last time I saw the guy... Walking out of church barefooted, had no cast on, no boot on. Healed him. That was this, this past week over in Germany. See, God can do that. He wants to do it and needs to do it. See, I told you miracles are an antidote for doubt. Yeah. We've seen Him raise the dead. Yeah. I quoted the verse, nothing's too hard for God. Now, I'm not a healer. Pastor's not a healer. Jesus is the healer. 2,000 years ago, he strung himself upon a tree and cried out what? It's finished! Aren't you glad he didn't, didn't say, I'm finished? <laughs> he said, it's finished. Everything should have been done. It's totally done. Nothing's left undone that need to be done. Amen. So I like that, don't you? So I want to pray for you, all right? I told you I'd pray that the eyes of your heart be flooded with light. It says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of these God has created. Here's your verse about your hearing and your seeing. You ready? I'm talking about in the spirit realm now. Matthew thirteen sixteen. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. And blessed are your ears, for they hear. Many, many long to see what you see. Many deeply desire to hear what you hear. To them it was not permitted, but to you it is. So you've got blessed eyes and blessed ears. You have a, a perception of the ways of God. Lord, I do pray for spiritual perception. I pray for a keen awareness of the ways you move. Lord, we don't want to be dull and dense when it comes to following the movement of the Spirit of God. You said the wind blows wherever it wants to. And we hear the sound there, but we don't know where it comes from and we have no idea where it's going. So Lord, we're asking you right now for that perception, that understanding of your ways. Lord, I pray over these people right now, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that the eyes of their heart would be flooded with revelatory light. We'd have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. I join Paul in his prayer in Colossians 1 that we'd be invigorated, strengthened, and we'd be have a fuller, deeper, clear insights into the ways of God. So bless your people right now. I pray for those that need encouragement. I pray that the blessed Spirit of God would infuse into them hope. Lord, I pray you'd blow away from them despair and disappointment. I pray that they would hang on to the promises of God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you roar over your people with the word yes. Yes. Lord, I, I, I paint over their heart, Nahum 1.7. I paint Nahum 1.7 over their heart. The Lord is good, a very present help in the time of trouble. And He knows those that are clinging and trusting God. Lord, You're good and we know You're good. Hold on to your people as they hold on to you. In Jesus' name. So respond to Him. He'll respond to you. You believe that? 
He really will. I've had a great time here. I really mean it. God wants to heal you. He wants to take away the wounds in your heart. Do you believe that? Not every wound is physical. You know that. But He'll heal the brokenhearted. I've seen Him do it. Don't you want the help He can give you? I tell you what, He's one prayer away. You go, well, Bobby, I failed so many times. Don't ever let failure be final. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't let the pains of the past keep you from the victories of the future. Here's, here's my promise. God chose you in eternity past to live in the present, to forge the future. God chose you before you were you. Before you'd ever done anything, He called you, commissioned you to live in these important days. Do you believe that? You can do something no other human being can do. Remember, He's going to become your best friend. It's true. He named Himself El Shaddai, the God that does for us what we're incapable of doing for ourselves. Why don't we just stand and praise Him and let Him have His way with us. You've got a prayer team, have you? A ministry team? Just let the people come. Okay? God bless your heart. You going to have him Chinese food today? Good. God bless your heart, man. Well, first we want to receive that offering for Bobby. So just stay standing. If you can stand and Dave and them will bring the, the baskets up. And thank you for being generous. That was a great word. That was a fire hose word, right? Yeah. I know the Lord spoke some things to you guys, and uh, Bobby's going to go out there and sit at the book table and sign books, So, but don't go out there. Don't go out there. Wait and, you know, receive an offering, then you can go out there. And we're going to have the ministry team come up and, and pray for you guys. So... Here's the here's the here's the baskets. Y'all come up. Lord bless. Thank you for bringing Bobby and Carolyn to church this morning. And we thank you for speaking to us, Lord, and calling out hope in our hearts and calling out healing and calling out seeing. Lord, thank you for the for the download of scriptures he released in this room. Lord, I just thank you today that you're going to do above and beyond what we're asking or thinking. You really are going to surprise us, Lord. So I encourage you just to bless, be, be generous. And we'd like the ministry team to come up here as soon as you can. And Thank you, Lord. Just make, you can make a check out the river. All the money will go to Bobby on this offering, everyone, all of it. So you don't have to worry about that. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good. That was a great scripture to end on that Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good. Knows those who trust Him. Lord, let's just say that. The Lord is good. And those, and know those who trust Him. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. I want, let's just pray. You know, Bobby has an amazing uh, handle on the scriptures. He's, he's got so much scripture stored up in his heart and just, I will tell you a little bit of secrets. Lots of times when he's doing stuff, you notice he's doing this with his finger. He's finding the scripture. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Uh, but I just pray that the Lord would give us all that kind of hunger for the word like he, he's had. Lord, we ask you for that, for a hunger for the scripture and a revelation in the scripture like Bobby Connor has, Lord, and even more uniquely for each one of us just to 
just a love for the scripture, the written word, and the power of the written word, that we could speak it over people's lives and release them into the power of your word, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the truth that sets free, Lord. So if you want to receive ministry, uh, we have a great ministry team up here. I want you all come up now, and, and we're going to let, release you. And if you want to go out there and get a book and get Bobby to sign it for you, that would be a great thing to do. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming today. We love you guys. So, Amen.